0: A doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you.
1: Doctor, doctor,
0: doctor, 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 and doctor.
1: It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar.
0: I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. but a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. <laughs>
1: The doctor is in. It's official. Advanced Medicine Monday is now here. Dr. Bittar is back, and so am I. It feels like it's been two weeks since I talked to you, but we had the great pre-record last Monday on liver detox and, and gastro stuff. It was amazing. We had great re- response to it. But I'm most curious because I wanted to be in two places at the same time, and I couldn't manage to stretch all the way from Dubai to Phoenix like I had intended.
0: Well, I think it was it was uh, evident that you were missed robert there were a lot of people there in fact it was our our best uh, advanced medicine to date but it was interesting because people asked me where is robert at? and i said i don't know where the heck he is why don't you call him and ask him i don't know
1: he's <laughs> out or something call and complain you know i had up until uh, you know not too long beforehand when that dubai uh, situation came up thought i'd i for sure would be there because each one i've attended of the advanced medicine seminars is better and bigger than the last and they've all been sensational so uh, i am so uh, you know like i said bummed really sincerely that i couldn't be in two places at once but i'm so glad to hear that it went well and we had a lot of folks that were coming off of our advanced medicine on the air like we do each week to know that that's going on
0: yeah you remember in uh, houston when we were standing in line to get lunch we had a couple people that were behind us remember they said they made the comment about how it's strange to hear us but we sound exactly the way we sound on the radio when we like when we were presenting and i had the same commentary this time i had two people that said the same thing uh just want to let you know doctor Starr, you you definitely the real thing didn't know whether you were real or not till i saw you here but yeah you you know we can tell it's not somebody else Doing the radio show, it's really you. So I, I just laughed and I said, "Yeah, well, you know, we we couldn't find anybody to uh, replace us and and do that." <laughs> I don't think I don't think they, I don't think they would come up there. and you know, be so mad and so irritated and so angry when uh, when they're talking. They said, no, nah, no, nah, you don't sound angry and irritated. You just sound like, you know, you really want to inform people. And I said, well, believe me, sometimes I'm very angry when I'm talking on the radio.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. We get fired up. Well, that's the thing about it. It's neat to hear that confirmation that as we get together and chat like we're just hanging out, not that we go to a bar or anything, but just we're hanging out and chatting. And, and really is the passion, the sincerity, our hearts just open and they, it, we just let it out. And when we get together at these seminars or wherever, people hear it and they're like, These guys, they're the same guys. Yeah,
0: it's exactly what you hear. The message that we have when we're on the air or off the air, when I'm in my clinic, I'm sure when you're out anywhere, Mm -hmm. it's the same message. It's not sugar-coated. It's not, uh, you know, when the cameras are rolling or the radio is on, then you're going to have a different message. I mean, this is it. You know, like it or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I noticed that when I went to Dubai as well because, you know, I brought my food enough to get me there, figured I, I had looked and investigated where I could get good food that I knew my body would tolerate. Found in the Dubai Mall, underneath the Burj Khalifa, the hugest building on the planet, there was an organic foods restaurant. And I ate there at least five times. They got to know me there. And the pharmacists that I met, all of them started saying, you know what? We knew it was that way. We knew it was important, but we really didn't see how important it was. We watched you, and we're now starting to do what you're doing a little more each day, and I thought, isn't that great? The living examples, and that's how it makes a difference, human-to-human contact.
0: Right, exactly, and you live what you preach, and if you live what you preach, people then realize that this is not just a message. It's a way of life, and I personally think that it's the only way to really live, and When people see that, it's important that they see one who is portraying a message lead by example. And I think that's a fundamental characteristic of leadership is that you don't preach one thing and then do something different you know and there's so much of that in medicine you know that robert that people say certain things and yet they do something different i just had a patient mm-hmm. that came to me it was a young man 18 years old with uh, osteosarcoma who had been given 6 months to live he's on his own on the gerson diet gone uh, 2 years now and the tumor's gotten pretty big but you know he hasn't had the chemo hasn't had radiation refuses to they've been eating organic, and she said that the um, doctor that they saw at one of the big hospitals, I won't say the name, Duke, um, but they saw these doctors. you Did you miss that, Robert? Was I missed
1: that? it completely. Carry on. Okay. So
0: they <laughs> um, yeah, said so there's no basis to the organic diet, and the, and the diet has nothing to do with it, and blah, blah, blah. You're just wasting your time. Well, they have to drive about 45 minutes to get to the closest Organic health food store. I think it's. um, I can't remember the the name of it. I think it's uh, Home Economist or one of those. uh, Yeah, the North Carolina
1: ones. I know those. Yes.
0: Yeah, or uh, it's not the Whole Foods, but it's 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 like a Whole Foods type. Mm -hmm. And um, they said that they went there. This is two days after their last visit with the surgical oncologist. And there, in the same place, the same doctor that told him that there was no reason to talk about the diet because it had no relevance and no scientific basis, etc. The same guy is there at that health food store buying his groceries. Saw them, and they tried to approach him, and he tried to act like he didn't see him and diverted. I mean, it was just it was just so funny to hear. Right. Saying that, I mean, that's hypocrisy to its maximum. You know. And we're talking about doing what you say you're going to do. But here's an example on the opposite where the guy saying, I don't do that. It's pointless. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. There's no scientific basis for it. Then if that's true, then why is he out there eating at a health food place or eating at a healthy place or shopping at a healthy place? And yet telling this patient who's dealing with cancer that, look, don't waste your time and don't waste your money doing that because there's no scientific basis behind it.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. Last hour, uh, Liam Sheff and I were discussing delicate discussion like elimination patterns <laughs> you know it's like are you you know, eliminating enough and and yet you know the whole idea the the medical community not availing itself probably not even asking many questions about elimination patterns in in patients partly because they may not be going very often and it looks bad on them if they're not going as much as their patients
0: it took me a second to understand what you meant by elimination patterns but yeah I mean, that's such an important thing in fact in the uh, head map I don't know how many questions we ask about how many times a person has Mm -hmm. a bowel movement a day, and then what is the consistency of the stool. Do they see Mm -hmm. portions of the stool that are floating, and you know, with the color, this, that, the other? And these are all important components because it gives us an insight as to, as you said, elimination patterns. It it gives us an insight as to how the gastrointestinal system is
1: working. Yeah, and we spent a lot of time last week with our special edition of of Advanced Medicine, uh, going through liver detox, digestive issues like that. And we were a bit indelicate last hour. That's why we're trying to be medically professional about our discussion above board. I don't know how long it will last, <laughs> but but how important that is. And like you said, with the AHEAD map, and I'm sure you guys went through that at the Advanced Medicine Seminar pretty intensely.
0: Yeah, we actually did. We covered it even more extensively than we did the last one. And there was just a lot of interest in that because it gives an individual – a tool, and it empowers them, and I actually brought up the point that you know in the radio show, whenever we end it it 's always the same message that the power to heal is yours, and that is actually what, without even any plan th- that 's exactly what the head map is it is giving an individual the power to heal themselves, and uh, it 's just taking it to another level. We all have the innate power within ourselves for our body to heal itself, but now we 're giving people an additional tool that they can utilize to achieve a greater level of health by optimizing their detoxification pathways.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is a, an amazing thing that's uh, transpiring even though the basis was set a long time ago in 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 both of our respective learning and coming together like this, the nine steps to keep the doctor away, of course, all the videos available when we got the the ahead map coming out and so many other things with the private association or club. That people are learning about, and again, there's still a lot, long ways to go in further development of it. But bringing this information out so that it can be flowing as freely as possible. I mean, we do a lot on the air, g- granted, but there's a lot more that can be done. We don't have the time to do one hour a week that can be, uh, you know, let loose on in other forums and settings, including advanced medicine seminars, which I understand. As far as the scheduling, we're shifting the way it's going to go based on demand where cities are. And we've got people all over that would say, why can't I have an advanced medicine seminar in my city? Well, maybe maybe you can.
0: Exactly, Robert. I felt that um, it was something that we were kind of pushing our time schedule in the location that we wanted to be in uh, at, at the point that we thought we should be there. And it really wasn't. Addressing the public's demand. For example, the Philadelphia seminar, which was our first one, which went very well. They have all gone well. Um, But, you know, we've had so many people from the Northeast contact us since we did it, saying, I didn't know about it. I didn't know you guys were having this. You know, when are you coming back? Blah, blah, blah. So, what I talked to my staff about and what I talked to some of the Amsterdam doctors about was the thought process that maybe we should change this where anybody. Can schedule an advanced medicine seminar. We have certain requirements. As long as they've got fifty people or more, and you know, as we get bigger and as more people start demanding it, you know, we'll increase that level. But right now, fifty people or more, anybody can go ahead and schedule advanced medicine seminar. They'll be talking to uh, one of my special projects team members that will help to coordinate everything. It has to be about ninety days out. We have to set it up in the calendar, and uh, you know, they have to have, like I said, at least fifty people scheduled, and we'll come out there and we'll do advanced medicine seminar.
1: So think about this. Everybody listening that has said, why can't it come to a a place closer to me? Well, now it can. All you have to do is get 50 of your closest friends and doctors of any kind, all backgrounds. Remember, we don't discriminate against healthcare providers. We want everybody involved. Uh, You get together and uh, 50 of them come together and say, yeah, we want it. We'll do it. We'll bring it to you wherever that is. So uh, given the advanced time, so we'll have more information of that online as well, but that's an exciting new transition in that we don't want to dictate to an area that may or may not be ready for it. We'd like to go to the areas that are ready and and, and rocking and rolling with this message.
0: Right, and one of the doctors there said that, you know, why are we doing it with 50? I mean, that's just too small of a crowd, you need to do it at least 250, 300 people, which, you know, most seminars that I speak at is at least 300 people. But it's not about how many people really. I mean, you said, Robert, the first couple we did, you know, Mm -hmm. we only had 25, 30 people there. And it's even if there's this one person, it's just obviously, it's not efficient for us to just go where there's one person. But, you know, 50 is a small number, but it's sufficient to make a difference. And I don't care how many times we have to do that. I don't care how many pockets they are that we create, but each pocket is going to be like a pebble in the pond and it's going to spread and and it's going to extend way out the ripples will go out and touch other people and that's really what we want to do
1: well exactly and when we come back we're going to talk about how those ripples in the pond have spread out to help provide and bring healing to those most in need including another child within the autism spectrum if you remember deb from idaho she wrote in a letter i think i mentioned it briefly last week but i want to go through that with dr Batar really heartwarming story bring a tear to your eye but a tear of joy so stand by for that and a whole lot more advanced medicine monday continues here with dr Batar on the robert scott bell show check it all out online the links are to the nine steps to keep the doctor away as well we'll be right back great
0: heavens what kind of radio show is this
1: the robert scott bell show
0: Bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert.
1: Remember, if you ever miss an edition of the Advanced Medicine Monday version of the Robert Scad Bell Show with Doctor Batar, you can download it. Of course, we're available through iTunes. Natural News Radio has it as well as MedicalRewind.com. The links are up. Look at them at the notes in there, and of course, Advanced Medicine Seminars. I wasn't able to make it to Phoenix because I had to be in Dubai. But we got great feedback from Deb. Remember the the woman that came all the way from Idaho? Drove all the way from Idaho. She also has horses because she wanted to bring her daughter who has a son or grandson that was diagnosed as vaccine injured. And what a story that was. She wrote me last week, Dr. Batar. I just sent you the letter. Uh, Deborah is her name, and she was writing from Idaho. She says she has an update on her grandson with autism. He's the one referred to in the phone call. Remember, we took after the Advanced Medicine Seminar in Houston. We played on the air. Now, her daughter is taking him to an m d that you trained, Dr. Batard. Do you know who this is uh, yeah Dr. Harry Moore exactly. yeah, out of Austin, and so she 's following the protocol set up by Dr. Moore as well as I talked about the one world way the non denatured whey protein is a great supplement, good from pastured cows, so it 's a very clean form of, of whey protein. And she's about 60 days into the dietary changes and the supplements. And at first, like we talked about, the progress was slow to start. However, now he's exhibiting positive changes almost on a daily basis, gaining momentum, no longer resisting specifically potty training. We talk about the importance of elimination. He's able to sit and focus on activities for longer periods. He's affectionate and no longer distant and uninterested in people and activities. He's making an attempt to talk, still not there quite yet, but he tries to answer the phone the other day, he said he was running through the house yelling "hello" into the phone. His appetite is improving. He eats at the table without running off, and I kind of joke about this because my daughter's seven and a half, and she can't sit still at the table. I want to put a seatbelt on her.
0: But my wife says I can't sit still.
1: <laughs> you, you neither, right? Okay, we got a seatbelt us at, at dinner, but uh, also we'll eat the veggies now. His constipation is gone. And he's eager to take all his supplements. He's now on an all-raw diet, too, that's helping him. His next appointment with Dr. Moore is in another week, and they should get results on a urine challenge. We'll talk about that in a week or so and begin to plot the next steps. She says, thank you. We see a steady progress in his awareness and interaction. I'm afraid we would never have found the right help without your advice. And Dr. Batar taking the advanced medicine seminar. On the road. Thanks again. I know this is long, but I wanted you to know he is making improvements and I believe he will have a complete recovery. We'll keep you posted on his progress. Deborah. Oh man, was that great.
0: Yeah, and that's really what it's all about for us, Robert. That's the reason we decided to do the advanced medicine seminars, take it on the road. I mean when you and I first talked about it, this was the goal. This was the goal. If even it helps one person in a year, and I guess if that was our goal, we've hit that one person. I think we've we've hit more than that, but uh Yeah, it is. It is rewarding to hear that.
1: Well, it's, it's it's really it's it's that heart kind of thing when we're out there and we speak with our passion as you said and we talked about it people say hey you guys are the same guys yeah i know we're not making this up we're not putting on a special hat when we get on the radio or when we get on stage well, i actually here. do yeah.
0: have a special hat that i put on when i when i do the show but i don't wear the hat during the advanced medicine seminars i thought
1: that was a wig that's yeah a, no, no <laughs> yeah, you got quite it a bit of hair i used to be a toupee. yeah <laughs> that might that might have been uh our our friend ty in fact yeah, that's, that's a, right
0: that's probably <laughs> ty <tough. laughs>
1: But yeah, this is it. And talking about the steps that were taken, remind everybody about the challenge because she talked about a urine challenge and I know that's new for people. What do you mean challenge urine? Do you challenge it as it's coming out? What are you talking about?
0: Well, that's a great question, Robert, and uh, I think that it is relevant to bring that up so that everybody understands that. I I know obviously you understand that, and it's very important. I like the way you always position those questions as if you're asking me a question that you don't know the answer to, but you're actually asking for the audience. So Mm -hmm. I just think it's important that the audience understands that Robert knows these principles. He's asking me by prompting me to make sure (laughs) that I address things that –
1: may be relevant to the understanding of certain people. So I appreciate you doing that, Robert. Yeah, I always think in terms of what if we have a new listener and they hear something like that in a letter like a urine challenge? Wouldn't it the first time you ever hear that concept, two words together, and you've never heard them together before? You've got to be thinking, well, I know these guys sound sort of good, but I have no idea what they're talking about. Right,
0: right. Well, a urine challenge is essentially you're challenging the body to – Release heavy metals, and you do that by cha- – when we talked about the word challenge, we're challenging it by giving it – by giving the body a chelator. And there are two different types of chelators that we use specifically. We use many different types of chelators. We've tried many different types of chelators, but there are two specific ones that we use for urinary challenge, which is essentially uh, ethylenediamine tetraacetic acid, more commonly known as EDTA, and then dimercaptopropanosulfonic, more commonly known as DMPS. And what we do is we – Challenge the body by administrating these these two chelators. And sometimes it can be transdermal. Usually it's intravenous. If a person is above the age of seven, I prefer the intravenous route. And then we collect a 12-hour urine post-IV treatment. And the reason we call it a challenge is because the body is being challenged by these chelators to pull metals out. And then there's also and the the key here is the interpretation of the test result and understanding what it really means. Because sometimes when people see no metals coming out, they get a false sense of security. Especially doctors, they get a false sense of security by looking at the test and saying, well, there's no metals coming out, so clearly that's normal. And if they see a higher level of metal coming out, you know, they tend to freak out and say, oh my gosh, you've got high metals coming out. Whereas in, in fact, the no metal picture, when there's no metals coming out, that is a dangerous sign. That means a person's a non excreter and that means that they really need help versus if you see a bunch of metals coming out, the higher metal that's coming out, the better because remember the challenge test result is showing not what's in your body but what is actually coming out. So if you see a whole bunch of metal coming out, that's a good sign because it means that your body, when it's challenged, is releasing the metals. The danger part is when it is challenged and there's no metal coming out, that's a problem because that means that it's being held within the system.
1: Hey, yeah, you've had a lot of uh, controversy around this particular part of the, the, the so-called protocol and de- developing it and recognizing that there is something beyond it because most people would give up and say, hey, see, nothing there. We can move along now. And would, then, of course, you're lost because nobody w- 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 makes any less reference to claim as to what would be causing, for instance, the autism spectrum diagnoses. But in this case, you found it was necessary to sometimes punch it and punch it again, for lack of a better way to say it.
0: Sometimes, Robert, those punches have gone on for two, three years before we start seeing the metals, but they haven't shown anything. And, you know, anything considered to be high is three micrograms per gram creatinine in mercury or, for example, in lead, five micrograms per gram creatinine in lead is supposed to be anything less than that's considered to be, quote, normal. I don't know how normal that is, but according to the reference ranges in the laboratories, they're considered to be normal. Above five micrograms per gram creatinine in lead or above three micrograms per gram creatinine in mercury, that's considered to be toxic. And I have a child from the UK that I've treated for almost four and a half years now, and it took almost three and a half years before we saw any metals coming out, and it jumped, his lead level jumped from non-detectable to 17 to 56 to over 150, and the last one was like 247. And it was all within maybe a four-month period, but it was after three and a half years, almost four years of treatment. His mercury level went from non-detectable to, I don't remember, 30-something to – 50-something and went up to the highest level, I believe, was 89 micrograms per gram creatinine. So that punch that you referred to just now, mm-hmm. it literally is repetitive punching till you get the body to actually start spilling it. And at that point, that's when you start seeing the clinical improvement.
1: Now, was this the child from Ireland?
0: No, no, this is a child from the UK. Um, the child from Ireland that I was talking to off the air, that's, that's actually just a very recent case. And uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I want to get, get into, into that
1: momentarily. I just wanted to be, be sure in my mind I had a distinct uh, uh, you know, difference between because this case is fascinating to me because when you talk about two and a half to three years of this kind of challenge, who would have the tenacity to know to go forward and recognize it's there, it's there, it's there. We just got to keep pushing that body to, to relinquish, to let it go. Some people may say, well, why wouldn't it come out? I mean, doesn't the body want to get rid of this stuff?
0: It absolutely does want to get rid of the stuff, Robert. You're absolutely right. The body's tendency is to want to get rid of the stuff. However, there are such things as polymorphisms. They're essentially little deletions in our genetic pathway, and some people have it. Just like one person will be tall, one's short, one's got red hair, one's got black hair, etc., etc. They're genetic predispositions for the inability to excrete, and there are many, many pathways. For example… Uh, Some of the ones that we recognize, the APOE, uh, the COMT polymorphism, the uh, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase enzyme deficiency, the glutathione S-transferase issue, Uh, sometimes the superoxide dismutase uh, is is an issue. But just some of the things, these are just some of the ones, and for every one that I've mentioned, there's probably a thousand that modern science hasn't even elucidated yet. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that some of these polymorphisms, these genetic anomalies, if you will, some of these specific deletions or – uh, inconsistencies within our genetic code prevent an individual from being able to excrete. Mm-hmm. So, when you were talking about the uh, elimination, what was the term that you used? The elimination uh, habit.
1: Um, well, uh, we talked about the, the. How do we say it politely? Because we, we really got graphic last hour. Kind of grossed some people out, I think.
0: <laughs> but the term that you just used, that was very eloquent. What was that? The uh, elimination patterns? Is that what it the was pathways
1: saying? or patterns, yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, it's important to look at that. in – you know, when you're looking at the number of bowel movements in a day, that's a very basic way of looking at it. But when we're talking about heavy metal excretion, um, we're looking at other components. The normal way for the body to excrete metals is actually through the gastrointestinal system. It's interesting. We just talked about the gastrointestinal system. The alimentary tract is the primary natural method of the body to excrete metals. However, if it's not intact or it's compromised, then we will use other ways. For example, when we're using IV chelators, we are actually going in and affecting the renal system and having the renal system pulling out the metals uh, using that pathway. Um, we also op- obviously want to optimize the gastrointestinal pathway. So that the metals can be eliminated as they're ingested or, or if other pathways are necessary in order to you know, facilitate this elimination of these metals. So I will work on every pathway I can. For example, sometimes parents will say that, well, my child has now a strange odor or they'll say that there's staining in the bed, but they're not voiding in bed. It's just there's like this strange residue. I've had parents tell me that. That's because they're sweating now.
1: Mm-hmm. They're- well, we t- I call it like a pathway adaptation, you know, like Hans S- adaptation for survival. You find, a, you know, if you corrupt one pathway, the body is intelligent enough to try, and they might not be successful depending on nutritional makeup or toxic burden. But, you know, the irony, as you said, of the gastrointestinal system being a primary mechanism for that uh, excretion, that's one of the primary pathways that is destroyed utterly by the vaccines in the first place.
0: Absolutely. And here's the other thing. As we start to get these pathways back online, you know, when you start pulling the metals out through the skin or through the urine, and even though the gastrointestinal system may not be working, another interesting phenomenon occurs. The system that is now compromised begins to come back online. So the pathways that were compromised, even though you're not necessarily working on those pathways directly, the mere fact that you can compensate and pull it out through some other route allows for the elimination of those metals that were actually impeding that particular primary system from not functioning in the first place. So then those functions start coming back on online. So it's like a spiral, but it's a spiral in the positive direction.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, it, this is more insight. And each time we've covered these issues, I find that each time we come and revisit it, there's another angle that gets revealed here. And that's why I appreciate that you don't mind me asking, as like you said, some of these questions. Sometimes the same way, sometimes a little different way, because it, you know, there are many facets, layers, and, and ways to look at this from a spherical three hundred and sixty degree viewpoint. And each time we we address a different angle, and I I love that we got into this whole challenge issue today, talking about. Uh, this child from the UK two and a half, three years later. Now, I know there's one from Ireland we're going to talk about. We might have some follow-up uh, to do on this, but we do need to take a break. I want to remind everybody, Advanced Medicine Monday, special edition we do each Monday. We kick off the week together with Dr. Rashid Batar. He is the author of the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. We've got all the links up. Look at them in the show notes, and as well, if you sign up for email alerts, you get special access to the private club we've talked about before as well. We might mention a little bit more on that, but stand by. we got Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Doctor Bittar after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Another fascinating discussion with Doctor Bittar here today. We talked uh, about the email coming in from Deborah, gratitude for her grandkid who's recovering, and that's happening in a matter of uh, weeks to months. We just talked about a child from the United Kingdom that took years, two and a half, three years of challenging. Now you actually,
0: Robert, it was about uh, four and a half.
1: Four and a half years. Yeah. Wow! Stunning. Now. Here's a case. Now, I don't know the details as we're talking about this. You mentioned to me off the air about a child from Ireland. Where would this fall into that realm?
0: Well, a very similar story, but it, it actually came to mind. And the reason I was bringing up the story to you off the air was because of the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And when you brought up the the ripple aspect in the pond, um, just very interesting how this all transpired. This child has... Uh, severe, severe eczema, mm-hmm. treated with every type of storage you can imagine and antibiotics, etc. Um, they sent us pictures of the child and he is five, I believe he was, when he first came and um, it was just recently. I think he's getting close to his sixth birthday. And I don't do IV treatments on children under the age of seven unless there's a very significant reason to do so because... The reserve that a child under the age of seven or over the age of 70, the reserve capacity is far less than that of an individual between the age of seven and 70. So what I mean by that is if a person gets shot, they'll be able to compensate and maintain their blood pressure far easier if they're between the age of 7 and 70, then if they're over the age of 70 or below the age of 7. So their respiratory reserve, their compensatory patterns, they are not as resilient below that age or above 70. And so I usually don't do IVs under the age of 7. However, that doesn't mean that I haven't, and I have done them in children considerably young where the benefits outweigh the risks. But in this particular case, the child's skin literally looked like he had had glacial acetic acid poured over her skin and the wow. skin was so erythematous and i mean just you would look at this child looked like a severe 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 sunburn uh to the point where there was almost bully forming you know like blistering It just right looking um hurt just to look at the child and the parents unfortunately had gotten to a very difficult point because they couldn't sleep at night the child was constantly scratching just to hold them down and um long story short they brought brought him and uh, five weeks later remarkably different uh, night and day difference but the child also had autism and um, you know ability to communicate and uh, receptive language had improved eye contact just all sorts of different things but what was interesting was that about three weeks into their treatment and they just left maybe about a month ago right right around right after Christmas right around the New year's And um, about three weeks into their treatment, the mom scheduled an appointment with me. And she came in, and she starts talking to me, and she breaks down, and just told me how difficult this was. Did we talk about this before on the air? I Uh, I
1: don't recall the specifics. You know, this thing may may come forward. I might just kind of blink back in, but uh, I I don't recall it at this point unless it was one angle of it that I'm not seeing here.
0: Well, she just had a severe, severe – depressive episode and she said that uh, her husband discovered what we were doing she said dr Tari, we, we discovered you my husband discovered you on the subway in ireland and before you there was no hope and this gave us the hope this was the last thing for us to try and she said that she'd even contemplated suicide and just mm. you know, she was just distraught she didn't know which way was up she didn't know what she could do and uh She said that we did expect something when we got here, and she said already we've gotten so much more than we expected, the results. And, you know, it was just nice to hear that, and I had to to remind her, I said, listen, you know, God's the only healer. Um, I'm glad that you found us, and I'm glad that we were able to help you, but don't ever put your hope in a human. Put (laughs) your hope and faith in yourself and in the Creator, because as long as you believe that there is going to be a way for you to solve your dilemma, you will find a way. And uh, it's just a matter of you being receptive and open and, and remembering your blessings, remembering that you have a lot to be grateful for. And it's always easy to do so when you look at somebody else who doesn't have what you have. No matter how bad you think your situation is, just look around and you will find somebody that has a worse situation. And then it becomes easier to be grateful for what you have, no matter how bad you think you've got it. And I told her I think I did. we did talk about this because I talked about the nine steps. And he said, you know, if you can't do – perhaps perhaps I didn't, Robert. Perhaps I talked about this at the advanced medicine seminar, and I'm getting confused now. But anyway, <laughs> I said, to, told her, I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to – she'd already read the book. She was about three-quarters of the way through the book. I said, I want you to pick one component from each of the nine steps and start doing that. And if that's too much, then I want you to just pick one component – Period, and start with that. And then after 21 days, I want you to go to the second one. And just, I don't care how little or how much, just start somewhere and focus in on that and just do it. Well, at their last visit, which was the Thursday before they left, where they left on a, on a Saturday, um, we're talking about the child, and they're just telling me, you know, all the things and how happy they were. And, and I think um, my special projects manager may have even uh, done a video on them. I just, on a side note, asked her how her situation was based upon what we talked. And she just had a big smile on her face. And before she she started to speak and her husband says, you know, she's cut out all her soda and it's incredible the difference. And she said, that's all I've done so far. And she said, now I've also started increasing my water intake. But just cutting out the soda has really, really made a big difference in how I feel. And he says, and how she's acting. And then she smiles and she says, how I'm acting. And. You know, I think the husband had a bigger smile on his face, so I don't know whether that increased her sex drive or what the deal was. Something
1: was going on behind the scenes, right?
0: (laughs) It's one step, and it was—I didn't really even do anything because she talked about how I just listened to her for that hour when she was with me. Actually, it was almost two hours. I just all I did was listen, and the only thing that I can tell you that I really told her to do was to be grateful. And pick something from the book and just start doing it. And that's all I really said to her.
1: Nice. You know, it's, it echoes uh, something I related to the pharmacist over there as I was, you know, trying to teach them some basics in addition to specifics and science. And, you know, these these are smart folks out there. But I said, you know, bottom line is you just got to keep clean up what's going in. We I mean, look outside. The air was not clean. You can't control much for that, but what do you have control over? And I talked about food and water, things like that, and they got it. I said, you know, even if you can't do as much as I'm doing, just do one thing, and, and these are the things that are so practical, and, and, and yet they're often overlooked in the all or none kind of concept. Oh, if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do anything.
0: That's very true, and people need to remember that the smallest things can make the biggest difference. It's just a matter of doing it you can remember the adage once difficult now easy Mm -hmm. why does it become easy because you constantly do it and what seemed to be a huge huge obstacle becomes very very easy simply because of repetition you keep on doing it till it becomes easy
1: i had a call last week after i got back from a, a nice lady who seemed sincere and wanting to get well she had been frustrated because she's been dealing with systemic type candida for years and Finally, you know, found out about certain things that we talk about and and the silver and different things I was talking to her about. And she says, now, uh, do you think that I need to stop uh, drinking soda? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... Uh, you know, it was like momentarily she had a lapse. I could hear it, that, the old path, the, the, the addict, if you will. And I, and, I, and I was compassionate because I remember I grew up on Coca-Cola. I literally had an ad- addiction. I mean, when I came off of it as I began to become awake to my healing, I was craving it for months. And I can still, in my, in my cellular memory, taste it, how it made me feel. And so I recognized she was going through that kind of withdrawal. And, of course, I said, you know, I think you already know the answer to that. I don't know that I need to answer that for you, but here are some options for you to transition out of that. And, you know, we went through that. But, literally, it's very powerful, the pull of the things that, even if we know they're bad for us, how, str- how strong a hold they seem to have over us.
0: Robert, you, you're going to hate that you opened up this can of worms, but you, now that you've opened it up, i I got I to gotta talk about something that I just love making now myself. My wife says that I'm addicted to it. Rutro. Uh, kombucha
1: oh you were into kombucha oh wonderful i I
0: make my own kombucha and i and i i mean it's like a big thing my son and i made the first batch a couple months back and Mm -hmm. uh he really liked it and you talk about the natural fermentation and the carbonation man there is nothing that fizzes like that and it tastes delicious we put different fruits in fruit juices in with the uh with the kombucha after we make it and then it's awesome i mean i'll tell you if anybody likes soda and you want something that's really going to be beneficial. That's going to re inoculate your gut with all the probiotics mm-hmm. and give you all the enzymes that are necessary. It tastes delicious. It's carbonated. It's better than anything out there for you. And it, 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 I think it tastes, I think it tastes a thousand times better than any soda. It's you can make it to your own taste. I don't like things that are sweet, so um, I put less sugar in it. It's a fermentation process. It takes anywhere from seven to thirty days, depending on mm-hmm. the size of your SCOBY and you know, we'll we'll get the recipe out there for everybody. You do need a SCOBY. SCOBY is a acronym for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast, and you need a SCOBY to start it. And then each time you make a batch, you grow a new SCOBY. Yes. Of course, this is uh, kombucha is now available at Whole Foods and many other health food stores, and I've been drinking it for probably two years. But I started making it myself, and um, I'll tell you, Robert. My son, in mm-hmm. his little handwriting, writes love and gratitude on pieces of paper that we put on our, uh, cu- well, once we've cultured it, once yeah, put we it put in it in a bottle. Up- yeah. Yeah, it says love and gratitude on the bottle itself or on the container itself. You know, we have the energy bands on it. And I mean, it just tastes better. It just, I, I can't tell you. It's just, I oh, think cool. I'm addicted to it. Uh, I probably am.
1: Oh, well, that's totally cool, and it's a good thing. Like I said, it does uh, focus on probiotics. Fascinating that uh, you're doing that now. I remember doing that also many years ago. And so uh, great opportunities to switch over uh, for those that are still into the carbonated beverage thing. This is not something you're actually adding CO2 to. It naturally uh, occurs in, in terms of the processing. of yeah, the it.
0: fermentation aspect yep. is actually what causes that carbonation. And And there's a very simple formula. If you like more carbonation or less carbonation, yep. once you put it inside the fridge, You have to let it uh, set. Once you've bottled it, then you have to let it set. And if you want less carbonation, just let it set for two or three days, and then put it in the fridge. If you want more carbonation, wait for five, six, seven, ten days, and then put it in the fridge. And it is incredible carbonation. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You won't miss the soda. You won't miss. No, you will not miss the soda. You you'll never drink another soda in your life.
1: And you'll be better off for it. And when we come back from this break, you'll be better off for everything related to cancer if you understand what the cancer industry is all about. There's a new study just came out. I'm going to ask Dr. Batar about it when we come back on Advanced Medicine Monday, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: Oh, by the way, Dr. Battar, I, I failed to mention this before we got on the air today, but do you know that this is the first broadcast of our beginning our third year together online through Natural News Radio and now UK Health Radio and beyond?
0: Third year, huh?
1: We're, it's amazing how fast this is going and how it's growing all over planet Earth. They, they know Dr. Batar all the way around the world.
0: Well, you know what's interesting is if this is the beginning of our third year, that means we've done over a hundred shows.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, easily. We got a hundred. Can you imagine a hundred hours of Advanced Medicine Mondays out there for download for free through Medical Rewind, through all the different areas that that will download this? The information that we've gone out there—it's it, it, just stunning, absolutely stunning. It'll only be strengthened by everything else we're doing or yet to do, including the private club memberships that you've got set up and we've uh, started getting the word out for everybody.
0: Well, that that is an exciting component, too, Robert. But even just the stories that uh, you know, you've know you covered, you've brought to my attention and some of the basic principles that we've covered, um, it is amazing that we've done 100 and some shows now. That, that's just shocking to me.
1: Stunning, stunning. Well, look, it's exciting, and uh, we haven't run out of things to say yet, and I don't think we will for quite some time. And particularly when stories like this come out, this could almost be a moment of dub, but we have to cover it anyway. Cancer industry exposed as fraud – The science is false.
0: Yeah, you know, when I first read this, I'm like, tell me something I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty amazing. This uh, author, uh, Glenn Begley, I guess it is, Mm -hmm. was unable to replicate the results of 47 of the 53 studies that he examined and... He goes on to say that this suggests that researchers fabricating their findings simply to create the illusion of positive findings instead of publishing their actual results. This ensures a continuation of the steady stream of funding and grants. And this is exactly what you and I have been talking about for, well, going on to three years now and um, off the air I've been talking about for over a decade and a half
1: yeah the science is false. I mean this really brings to mind again the so called false religion of science, where uh, uh, Liam Sheff has written about it in official stories and we call it scientism as opposed to science
0: exactly exactly and and you know this isn 't just some person that 's came up with this this is This is a former head of cancer research at Amgen and he 's uh, reviewed the literature and he 's tried to replicate. 53 studies and found that the results on 47 of the 53 studies that he examined, he was not able to recreate the results. He was not able to replicate the same findings that these – studies alleged that they would that you would find.
1: Yeah, and this Amgen, it's not like a backwoods little little dinky thing. I mean, they're they are international global in their reach and it's a patient-focused research group that really compiles all of this together to disseminate the information. Really patient-focused. So, to me, I guess this sort of makes sense why they would say this because they're not invested in, on the side of, we're worried more about Big Pharma and the profits of all of that corporatization. They're saying, hey, how are we going to help the patients here? And it's still stunning as, as can be, even though we know this to be factual and true, that this organization, as big and as influential as it is, has been able to come out and say this.
0: Right, exactly. And the University of Michigan's Comprehensive Cancer Center uh, actually published this analysis in 2009 that revealed that popular cancer studies were essentially false. And actually not that they were essentially false, they were false.
1: Well, it it just confirms what you've seen firsthand and only strengthens the things that may have been shocking to people the first time you said it in a medical conference. Uh, But right now it looks like, just as we've talked about over the last year, this transformation of consciousness that is allowing things that were formerly not able to get out, and now it's just the blockages are falling away. It's not that they're still not trying to block this information, but they're failing at the blocking of it.
0: Well Robert this uh, I'm glad you brought this up because this is going to be used in my case against the uh, you know the people on the medical board because I mean this last line is just amazing to me. unsurprisingly, the primary cause of fabricated results was determined to be conflicts of interest that created results that work out best for drug companies ra- rather than for the people
1: oh, that' that's huge, and of course, any doctor should be patient focused. Oh. Not all of them are. Many of them are more concerned about other other things, other issues. We've we've discussed that. But this, to me, I I would love to see if we can connect with this doctor and eventually uh, interview them about this.
0: Yeah, it would be a great uh, great story because definitely people need to know this.
1: All right. Well, once again, remember the advanced medicine seminars. We still got the one coming up in Chicago in a few months. But from there, it's almost like all bets are on, not off, in that if you're in a city and you would love to see Dr. Batar there, and I would likely come unless I have to be back in Dubai, which I'm not going anytime soon. It's too far. <laughs> I, I, I want to stay domestic if I can. Uh, we want to hear from you. And is there a best way to contact to, say, if somebody really wants to gather a group of 50 minimum so that they can get the seminar there?
0: Probably the best way, Robert, would be to go to the Mm advancedmedicineseminars.com website. And I think there's a contact button there somewhere. Yes. And if there's not one there, then you can always send an email to drbutar.com and just send a message there. And the name of the person, the point of contact that's heading this up is Cindy. And Cindy will be able to take it from there.
1: Great. Cindy, is uh, Special Projects in this regard then?
0: Yes. Yeah, she's uh, the Assistant to the Special Projects Manager. She is one of our primary liaisons to help coordinate this.
1: Terrific. Also, remember, if you have yet, not yet signed up for email alerts at com. when you do... I'll send out an email, and you will get a special access because you're a listener to Advanced Medicine Monday and the Robert Scott Bell Show. Although, if you listen to Ty on Wednesdays with Outside the Box, don't mention it because you might not get in, as Dr. Vitar likes to joke. But we'll (laughs) we'll get you in for free, especially would cost you bare minimum of 99 maybe more in some cases, to be part of the club that will allow the dissemination of all of the information you need for healing. So stand by for more information as that unrolls. We'll be revealing even more, but we got access to you now as well. And Dr. Bittar, man, it, it goes so fast when we're together.
0: It does, Robert, but uh, I can't believe this already got over 100 shows. That's a, that's a really, Im- you know, just difficult to believe. It's impossible to believe. It's Almost remarkable. Well, there's what we do How regularly. that happened.
1: <laughs> We do the impossible. That's why we're here on Advanced Medicine Monday every week with Dr. Batar, because the power to heal is most definitely yours. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.